Hey everyone, how's it going? Jawad here as always with Hit the Apex Podcast. Hope everyone is well wherever you are in the world. Hope you enjoyed your weekend and the week so far. Um, of course you would have enjoyed it. It was the Austrian Grand Prix. Um, always an exciting race. Uh, unfortunately not so exciting in terms of behaviour track side, which I will talk about and address a bit later on. Absolutely appalled by um, what came out from the weekend, unfortunately, and it's it's really sad to, to hear those stories, but let's talk about the race itself, the race weekend. It was a sprint weekend too, um, and I, that totally escaped me last week when we were talking about it, me and uh, George talking about the weekend ahead. I was like, oh, is this the first sprint weekend we've had? In 2022, and I was corrected that, no, we had one in Imola, which which felt like a long time ago. But overall, it was a day of pleasure and pain for Ferrari. We saw Charles Leclerc winning the race, his first win since the Australian Grand Prix, which, you know, again, feels like a infinite amount of time ago, while his teammate Carlos Sainz, the British Grand Prix winner, had an epic engine blowout. Um, what seemed like a certain Ferrari 1-2 finish exploded like the PU in the back of that uh, Science Ferrari on lap 57. And not only that, Leclerc had his own issues as well with the throttle pedal. Did they get a piece of mozzarella cheese stuck under there? Uh, pineapple from a pizza, you know, we've, we've speculated all week what, what it could have been, um, and quite funny responses anyway, I, lo- I love having a bit of a giggle about Ferrari and their tactics, so it wouldn't be surprising if that something like that happened, but yeah, he had some throttle issues at the end of the race, you know, there was something stuck under there that prevented him from um, lifting off, so, you know, when he was, when he was downshifting, there was some kind of throttle pressure, which, uh, you know, damages the engine if you've ever tried downshifting on, on with a certain amount of revs. Uh, yeah, you guys understand driving cars and all that sort of thing. Um, but he cruised, he cruised to a, a win, his third win of the season, and a win that didn't come from pole position as well. So congratulations to Leclerc for that. Um, early part of the weekend, Max Verstappen, he was dominant. He was dominant on Friday. He was fastest in qualifying to get the pole and then won the sprint as well on Saturday while the Ferrari squabbled. And then come Sunday, we had cooler conditions on race day and that saw Ferrari suddenly have the pace. They had better race pace than the Red Bull. They seemed to be kinder on the tyres, particularly on the hard tyre, which the Red Bull was not a fan of. Um, We saw Max leading the race until lap 12, where Leclerc got passed at turn four. And it's been an age since we've seen Leclerc make a a good overtake as well on on his uh, title rival, Verstappen, if you want to still call them title rivals in this instance. Um, But yeah, Red Bull just having an off day, which, which you don't see very often in terms of car performance. They've been very strong. Uh, this year with their car it's only with reliability that they've had problems and if you're Sergio Perez in this race you have a George Russell problem uh, with with them coming together on the first lap at turn four and I don't know what it is it's always a Red Bull car versus a Mercedes car at turn four or you know a Red Bull car versus anyone at turn four because we saw a couple of years ago uh, Alex Albon cost him a potential race win coming together with Hamilton at um, turn four, which was Hamilton's fault. Then last year, Perez and Lando Norris coming there together there and uh, Lando was hit with a penalty. In this instance, it was Russell who was being a bit ambitious and put Perez in the gravel with quite a bit of damage too, which took um, uh, Perez out of the race and he was hit with a same five-second penalty as well. So, you know, respect to the adjudicators in that instance for staying consistent with what they gave Lando last year, although I think the Lando Norris penalty was still a bit too harsh, if you ask me. We're always going to argue and debate about this sort of thing, and actually later on will I will be bringing up the matter of stewarding and, and whatnot, the FIA, what's going on with them at the moment, because there seems to be quite a bit of uh, chatter and talk going on, and a lot of discontent coming out of the drivers uh, in regards to the FIA and the way that they're stewarding at the moment. So Perez out of the race, Russell hit with a five-second penalty. Um, George thought it was a bit too harsh. 
I mean, come on, mate, you still came back and finished fourth in the race, uh, which was a good result. You finished where you started. Yeah, you could arguably say it cost him a podium, but it's still a good result considering you had a five-second penalty um, in that and you, you've got a much quicker car than uh, the rest of the drivers behind you. So that was that. Um, we saw early pit stops triggered uh, and with Verstappen coming in on lap 14. I thought coming into the race it should be a no-brainer one-stop race. But unfortunately, um, a lot of these drivers did do two stoppers. Considering the conditions were not as harsh and as hot as we've seen in the past there at Austria, you know, where the tyres really get eaten. And given that Pirelli bring their softest compounds as well to this circuit, um, you know, Ferrari, for example, they proved that a one-stop race would have been possible, but they did do two stops just to kind of preserve their lead they had the opportunity to given circumstances as well and then oh, eventually a third stop came due to that virtual safety car that uh science triggered so verstappen and leclerc doing a third stop to go back onto the medium tires but yeah ferrari before when both cars were still in the race um 12 laps later were in after verstappen um, to pit for the hard tyres in the first stint. So they really had the balance, you know, they really had, you know, the performance on the tyres that they started the race on and something that you don't really hear often said this season about, you know, Ferrari and their their tyre life and, and car performance relative to the, to the Red Bull. So that was um, good for them. They maximised that... Uh, rare advantage that they had on Red Bull in this instance. Um, as I said, we saw them come in and take a second stop to protect the lead, so to mirror what Red Bull was doing as well. They had the time in hand, of course, and the performance over Verstappen to be able to do so. And then, of course, when the virtual safety car came out for the science uh, DNF, both Verstappen and Leclerc were able to pit, though it was Max who maximised um, that stop for the medium tyre and was able to get the fastest lap as well. Uh, an extra point considering he finished in second, but overall came out quite strongly after the weekend because of the points that he would have got in the sprint race as well, the eight points that he would have collected there. So when you look at the championship, it, it was no big loss it was no big loss for him in terms of uh, what Leclerc was able to gain. And yeah, Leclerc has gotten back up into second in the standings ahead of Perez, and but still sits 38 points adrift. And, you know, 38 points is still more than a race win. Um, speaking in my Will Buxton voice. <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't mean to sound so silly. Um, but it's still quite a bit to, to go. And who knows? In the next couple of races, we've got two more races left before the mid-season break. Uh, France coming up and then Hungary as well. And, but they're both circuits that, you know, Verstappen does well at, Red Bull have done well at in the past. So, you know, you would have to rely on some kind of car failure for the Red Bull, which, you know, Max has been quite blessed in, in recent times with reliability and everything. It's It's been all on Ferrari side, the reliability issues that they've had. And then again, you know, on, on Sainz's side of the garage, it's it's a bit of a bitter blow for them. Are they worried about what is going to happen to Leclerc? I mean, given what happened in Canada as well, um, they took a penalty and then, you know, still having issues. It's, it's still a very hard one to, to pick at this stage, but I'd still want to be in the Red Bull camp and, you know, I'd still want to be Verstappen as well in this instance because they do have that advantage. Behind those two, Hamilton finishing third for the third time in three races. I was going to say in third races, that doesn't make any sense. But um, he did quite well considering the difficulty that they had coming into the weekend. Uh, they had a hard um, qualifying on Friday, both uh, Mercedes cars actually crashing and how often do you see Lewis Hamilton making a uh, qualifying or practice crash you know it's it's not very frequent that that happens and he was very apologetic about it and having to give his engineers and mechanics extra work to do ahead of um, the sprint race but qualified eighth um, or as in finished the sprint race eighth and started 
the Grand Prix itself down there, worked his way up. It was a quite a competitive midfield, I've got to say, too. Quite entertaining, the battles we saw. But we knew that the um, Mercedes pace was a lot better than uh, that of, say, Alpine and Haas. But the fact that we saw Mick Schumacher and Hamilton fighting in the sprint race quite uh, vigorously was pretty entertaining but in the end you know you knew that the Mercedes was going to get the job done and um, up into third so solid third place for Hamilton again you <laughs> gotta gotta have a little giggle you know given all the struggles and you know insert quotation marks or you know inverted commas or whatever you want to say um, about Mercedes and how far ahead of the midfield they are you know in terms of the, you know they've doubled the points that the rival or closest rival behind them in terms of McLaren and, and Alpine who are tied on points now after this one, uh, they're more than double the points ahead. So it's not like they're under threat. If anything, it was being talked about in the last month that perhaps Mercedes will threaten Ferrari to finish second in the constructors. And who would have thought that at the start of the year in testing when everyone was riding off Mercedes. So they're looking good and they're improving every race. Um, Russell finishing fourth, you know, what else do you say apart from job well done? Um, no point whinging about the penalty because, you know, definitely when you look at the incident, it was, um, he was being a bit too ambitious trying to go down the inside of that corner. Uh, and turn four has been a bit of a hot spot over the years, as we've seen, um, except for on this instance when Leclerc was able to get a clean move down. It's almost like Verstappen just left the door open and said, yep, um, I give up. I don't have the, the race pace here to be able to fight you, so you go on by. But um, unfortunate for Perez to not be able to come out of that uh, to continue on in the race. But another top five or top four finish, you've got to say, for Russell after the DNF that he had in Silverstone behind them. As I said, Alpine, strong race pace. They headed up what was a very competitive midfield as well. Um, and great to see them getting the results. You know, I know it's at the detriment of McLaren, who, you know, we all want to, or I certainly want to be finishing ahead in this instance, but uh, they're really capitalizing on the pace that they've got. Ocon doing a good job leading. And when I say that it was an entertaining battle in the midfield, I mean, at one point you had three cars heading into turn one, um, three abreast into turn one. Then you got Lando Norris behind them who rounds them all up. You had, I think, uh, Ocon, you had uh, both Haas cars maybe, Magnussen and, and Schumacher. Can't remember exactly, but Magnussen was in there too. Could have been Alonso even, but you had Lando come in and round them all up. Uh, so great job by them. Um, Haas in the points, both cars, first time in, I don't know how long, I think 2018 maybe, and Austria is generally a circuit which is really good for Haas, and sometimes not really good for Haas, um, but double points finished, a career best of sixth for Schumacher as well, uh, with Kevin in eighth, um, and what do you say, you know, all the, all the criticism and and doubts about Schumacher's form, and now he's finally performing. So it's good on him for that. It's not like we doubted he was, you know, capable. It's just, you know, come on, mate, <laughs> step it up. You know, you need to start performing or the pressure's going to come on you regardless of, um, you know, your surname and your, your heritage and all that sort of thing. So he is really improving. Maybe this is the start of his, uh, you know, rise who knows I mean it was good to see him holding his own when it came to fighting against Hamilton in the sprint you know sure there was people getting a bit emotional and um, nostalgic because a Schumacher was fighting Hamilton wheel to wheel you know last time we saw that obviously was um, the great Michael Schumacher it, when he was driving the Mercedes that Lewis Hamilton's in now um, you know fighting with Hamilton in the McLaren back in 2012 so uh, yeah, a few people getting nostalgic about that one, but um, it was great to see him holding his own in a Haas against uh, the Mercedes, and he was quite angry too, you got to say, because he was a lot quicker, he certainly felt he was a lot quicker over the weekend, but Haas not um, reversing the positions in the sprint race, you know, so Mick sadly finishing outside of the top eight 
which would have gotten him some extra points as a result. But, you know, to come back and finish sixth in the actual Grand Prix, you know, is more rewarding than finishing eighth in the sprint, for example. So good job for them. Arguably their best race of this. Well, it, not arguably, there's no argument, but it is their best race of the season and having both cars in the points too. So not much more to say about them. You had Lando splitting both the Haas cars in seventh. And unfortunately, a better result was cost um, by, well, a better result was taken by a, um, taken away by a five-second time penalty for abusing track limits. So now this was one of the talking points, which I'll get to a bit later over the weekend. But, uh, you know, track limits is always uh, a dicey affair in Austria, the Red Bull ring especially, and over the years, it's just been such a nightmare to police. You know, this year, the FIA, the stewards, race director, they're all like, well, the whole season, let's say, their um, mantra or their directive has been, if you drive over, if you have all four wheels over the white line, that's, uh, you know, abusing track limits, you're done, you get three warnings, black and white flag and then you get a five second penalty that's been the rule all season so we saw several drivers cop the five second penalty there was Sebastian Vettel, Pierre Gasly, Guan Yu Zhou as well um, as well as Lando so he potentially lost you know a better position because of that we had Daniel Ricciardo in the points for the first time since the Australian Grand Prix as well so that was worth celebrating in itself even though it was a ninth place finish uh and a bit about Dan actually as well as much as you know I can go on about how their qualifying pace is still pretty bad or Ricciardo in qualifying is still not as uh, just not showing uh, the goods but we had um Ricardo himself come out on Instagram and post the message of his commitment to McLaren for 2023, saying, I'm committed to McLaren until the end of the next year and I'm not walking away from the sport. Appreciate it hasn't been or hasn't always been easy, but who wants easy? I'm working my backside off with the team to make improvements and get the car right back to the front where it belongs. So this obviously comes in response to what the media has been saying about, you know, potential replacements. And when you look at McLaren um, globally or what's going on, uh, you know, across the Atlantic over in IndyCar as well, bit of controversy coming out with uh, McLaren announcing that they've uh, got the reigning IndyCar champion, Alex Pillow, uh, signed for next year at Arrow McLaren SP. Um hours after Chip Ganassi racing the team he races for say that they've taken up an option on his contract for next year so you know two teams suddenly have the signature of Polo for for 2023 in IndyCar but you know the thing regardless of the the thing with Ganassi and what that's going to cause in terms of fallout is the fact that McLaren have gone on a you know, on a spree of signing drivers, you know, not only have they kept uh, Pato Award, who was arguably like the, uh, the you know, leader of, of the IndyCar team, but also the one who potentially would have made the leap across to F1 if, if the timing was right and everything. But they've added Colton Herter, who's racing for Andretti in IndyCar, to the testing program on, and they've given him a you know, the young driver test, and he did a test in Portimao this week with the 2021 McLaren. They've signed Alexander Rossi uh, to the IndyCar team for next year. I don't think Rossi will be coming back across to F1 anytime soon. Um, You know, they've kept Felix Rosenquist as well. So they've got three cars next year for IndyCar. Um, Rosenquist likely could go to the uh, Formula E team, as has been talked about, but then bringing in Palo is an interesting one because you, you know, if you were Pato Award, who at the start of this year had there was supposedly a bit of friction with between him and McLaren and Zach Brown before he decided to re-sign for the team, um, you know, he was obviously a bit peeved at the fact that you know uh, Colton Herder was given. Uh, testing privileges with the Formula One team, and he thought that that was going to be his his role. 
bringing in someone like Polo, who is obviously, you know, he's the reigning IndyCar champion. You want to be the number one being award. He wants to be the number one at McLaren. And then now Polo with designs on going into F1 as well. Like there's too many, there's too many names suddenly. So, you know, if you were award, you'd be like, hang on. I thought that was for me, you know? Um, so it's not like McLaren have any shortage of, of candidates lining up to, to get into that seat. If, if Ricardo was to leave and I still feel, you know, as much as I want to see Ricardo see out his three year deal and actually come good, you know, get some results and, you know, rediscover his mojo and everything. Um, it's just, you know, there's, there's plenty of, uh, there's plenty of other candidates that I would want to put in the car instead of one of the Indy car drivers. I mean, this week we've had names like Sebastian Vettel thrown around, Alex Albon as well has been an interesting one. Like, as much as I love Albon, I would rather Vettel in this instance. You know, who would have thought I'd say that <laughs> all these years later? I want to see Sebastian Vettel come in a McLaren. But I think, you know, given the struggles that he's had at Aston Martin and, um, you know, I don't see Aston improving anytime soon. I mean, I hope McLaren improve next year, but learn, learning off, you know, what went wrong this year and everything. But I feel like, you know, he and Lando would be a good fit for each other. So... Um, you know, I'd almost prefer Vettel getting in the car, but I've said all along, I don't think Herter is, Herter, for example, is going to be an improvement of, on Ricardo in the car. You know, he's still very much, you know, a raw talent that needs to be tamed and everything. And the problem for McLaren is that we don't have both cars scoring points or, you know, performing consistently together you know Lando is out there doing all the job all on his own so we need someone who can be reliable and be able to do the job um, at scoring points for the team week in week out and I definitely think Vettel would be the kind of driver who would do that you know I hope certainly that you know if the team turn around their form you know which I'm sure they can for next year that if someone like a Vettel were to come in next year, for example, that's saying that Ricardo would leave, uh, that it would re-energize Vettel's career as well, which, you know, he thought he was doing by going to Aston Martin, which unfortunately um, has not happened. <laughs> anyway, so back to Ricardo. Yeah, it's great he scored points this weekend in Austria. Can we get more points, hopefully? that's the the case and we get to see him see out a third year of his contract but the announcement and everything you know comes at an interesting time um given all the little fish swimming around McLaren at the moment they've got no shortage shortage of candidates that could replace him whether they would be the right fit as well in terms of you know is it going to be a um improvement on what they've got already remains to be seen but it's it's difficult. <laughs> it, it is quite difficult. So in an in an ideal world, you would like to see Ricardo see it out and um, hopefully improve, and then we'll see what happens at the end of next year and uh, what direction both team and driver want to take in that instance. So we'll leave it at that. Good in them to get double points as well. But again, the fifth for Alpine, and then of course Alonso coming in tenth. Um, meant that they scored the more points and now a level with McLaren in the Constructors' Championship. So I think immediately that's going to be their concern is the fact that, you know, they've been fourth quickest team for the last couple of years. They've, you know, been quite solid in the fact that they've not really had any threat from behind from the likes of Alpine or Haas or AlphaTauri. But, you know, now they've got Alpine pretty much there uh, ready to pounce on that so they wouldn't want to lose that position to them so it's it's quite crucial for them to hang on in that instance and Ricardo will definitely be a pivotal part of that uh, to to for the back end of the season. Alonso good job for him started on the last row of the grid with a power unit change he uh, kind of lucked in strategy uh, wise because he started on the hard tire went quite late into the race almost thought he might do an Alex Albon from Australia but unfortunately uh, or fortunately for him he got a virtual safety car 
that came out four signs switched to the medium tire and then was able to hang on um and come back up into 10th um and sadly the same was not it was not the same for Valtteri Bottas who ended up starting from the pit lane because not only did he have a power unit change outside of his allocation he had a rear wing change as well just before the race so of course a pit lane start was necessary and he just missed out on the top 10 in that instance dismal race for AlphaTauri I mean what do you say like we were talking about AlphaTauri last week and you know Gasly stuck there for another season and stuck is probably the the apt word to use in this instance because yeah they really don't look like they're doing well at the moment so for Gasly especially he had such a messy race he ended with two five second time penalties one of course for the track limits violations and then another for a hit on Sebastian Vettel Yuki Sonoda struggled throughout the whole race he finished um or he was kind of last you know when you see that Sebastian Vettel was last of the classified runners he didn't finish the race as such but yeah Sonoda 16th he actually got into trouble from Fernando Alonso for his racing uh etiquette as well at one point you know Alonso coming off the grass down the straight and wagging the finger at him he wasn't too happy with the way that uh the Japanese driver was racing so pretty miserable race for Alpha Tauri when you look at the constructors championship they're what third last at the moment they're in eighth and uh, not where you would want them to be and what only nine points ahead of Aston Martin so if imagine if Aston Martin go on a run they could relegate Alpha Tauri further so not good for them um, but they're quite close to Haas ahead and uh, Alpha Romeo as well so you could see the uh the tides turning but it is kind of a you know tight battle for for sixth in the constructors so they could still yet come back but um don't know what's gone wrong for them this year you would have thought that with a regulation change this big um and given how well red bull are doing at the front um and how much they share between the two parties that you know alfatari would be up there but they're not so it's it's quite puzzling to see them where they are at the moment so yeah that pretty much covers the race itself the race weekend uh what happened on track so the talking points as i was saying earlier the track limits um situation i mean one thing i will give the fia is the fact that you know they made it black and white as far as how their approach to track limits this year it's if you go all four wheels off the track that's it you get a penalty kind of thing they don't have that gray area like there was you know for quite a few years now that everyone was blowing up over and you know last year in particular where it was like after every session track limits rules would change you know you can't so in practice you're allowed to go you know in practice you're allowed to go off at this track and you know not lose your lap time yet you know in qualifying you're not and then in the race you are kind of it's just it made no sense it was very confusing in total there was 43 reported violations during the race and as I said there was four drivers who took the five second time penalty drivers complained that with the fairings on the front wheels as well it was hard to see the white lines you know what do you do do you not drive on the limit don't push it to the limit um in this instance uh but tell drivers not to push it to the limit they're always going to push it to the limit they wouldn't be formula one drivers if they didn't uh so who's got to learn in this instance i mean sure they've, they've got to come to a compromise they've got to come find a better solution for this but it seems to be another small issue in a wider issue with the FIA and, you know, the race direction and stewarding this season, which, again, you know, after the events of last year, it's hard not to refer back to, you know, the end of the season last year um, because that was supposed to be the catalyst for, you know, the FIA making the changes that they have and making the changes for better which when you look at it when you've got drivers that you know loggerheads with the race director you have um Vettel for example uh walking out of a driver's briefing or whatever and facing or he copped a, a pretty hefty fine which has been suspended till the end of the year um 
it certainly feels like nothing has changed or nothing has changed for the better it's actually getting worse and then all the other little issues that they've had through the year as well so what is it you know why is the FIA uh so disconnected from Formula One you know and this whole thing of micromanagement uh by the new FIA president it's just you know it's so confusing it's very concerning you know watching it unfold and everything so yeah it's it's one of those stories this year that I hope doesn't you know define the season and yeah while kicking out the previous race director Michael Massey um, was supposed to usher in change and solve all the solutions it really hasn't you know and that's what makes me feel for for Massey even more is that the wider problem that was kind of behind everything that happened you know the poor calls and you know the just the way that the rules are structured and everything has still not changed for this year and you know we heard um in the FIA statement this week uh, after it was announced that Massey would be leaving the FIA Massey say something for the first time since since December last year so you know first words we've had and it was all class it was all very you know you know everything that I come to think of Massey you know a lot of people are gonna still hate him and you know just can't think of anything good to say about him but he ultimately you know did his job as best he could he made a mistake people were not going to get over it but at the end of the day it's a system that's flawed and you know you're going to just keep crucifying the person for it go for it just 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 do it you know whatever makes you happy do it but at the end of the day the system is still flawed and that's the thing that is concerning me now and yeah, I'm kind of happy, you know, because I feel for Massey's mental health, whatever he's been through this, you know, past six months, or it's been longer than six months, eight months now since since the finale. Um, so I'm really happy that he gets to come home to Australia. I'm sure he'll take up some senior role at Motorsport Australia as well. Maybe we'll see him back in supercars or something. But um, yeah, you know, we don't need... He doesn't need that negativity, and as far as the FIA are concerned, oh, just, yeah, going to sit here and watch what happens, but I really feel a lot of concern because I don't think things are going in the right direction at the moment. Um, as for the foul behaviour over the weekend as well, coming out from the crowd, um, sexual harassment against, you know, sexual harassment of spectators and whatnot as well, I mean, this is unacceptable. And the fact that, you know, when you look at what happens here in footy games and whatnot, um, there's phone numbers scattered across the, you know, uh, what am I calling it? Stadiums, sorry, stadiums and grounds to phone in antisocial behavior and that sort of stuff. Um, and, you know, whenever something like that happens, there's instant bans, you know, you harass or you, you know, abuse uh, players on, on the grounds and whatnot, or you, you know, get involved in altercations with fellow patrons and stuff like that, you, you get a ban. And I agree with Sebastian Vettel when he says, you know, they should get a lifetime ban for this sort of behavior. It's absolutely disgusting, you know. No one should have to go, you know, you pay your hard-earned money to go to an event and, you know, Formula One is not cheap at the moment, of course, because of its popularity. So people who go to have a good time, to be able to enjoy the race weekend, just enjoy the atmosphere, don't want to go and made to feel so little and, you know, um, to feel abused and to, to just feel the way that they did. I feel really, I feel really angry thinking about that. So, you know, those sort of fans who or I shouldn't even be calling them fans, but those sort of people who turn up and want to cause trouble or just want to act lewd and um, vulgar, you just have no place being in public, you know. If you want to do that, stick to your own home, okay, and stick to yourself because you don't deserve to, um, 
inflict that upon other people you know other people trying to do the right thing and i'm not naming you know there's no point naming um fan bases or this they support this driver or they support that driver it's completely irrelevant that so yeah it's ah oh, just frustrating to think about unfortunately so i'm glad though that you know formula one and specific teams as well did what they could to reach out to the fans who were affected by this behavior and were victim to all this you know we saw some really nice images of um you know i think it was aston martin maybe or mclaren who invited a couple of these fans into their hospitality and you know sebastian vettel posing for photos with them as well so you know it's nice to see that they care about this but you know the people who were the instigators in this instance you know the offenders they need to be rubbed out they need to clamp they need to be clamped down upon so that this behavior is discouraged from the future so yeah you know after after all the rants about you know inclusivity and whatnot over the past few weeks i feel like you know this is another um thing that's just tarnishing the image uh, for some people but i hope it's not the case we just need to rub this out as soon as possible so that it doesn't become a issue at another venue oh just had to clear the nose a little bit apologies it do sound a bit nasally today a bit, bit, bit blocked up with the old uh hay fever and con- congestion so trying my best to get through it it makes it a bit harder to to talk as long as i do for these podcasts but we'll move it on to supercars because we had the townsville 500 on over the weekend here are my talking points uh great weekend of racing though i was particularly happy to see a return of long distance racing because i really have missed you know those longer distance races that got so accustomed to before the pandemic hit and everything um obviously because of you know restrictions on personnel in the pit lane and you know social distancing rules and all that and even financial uh reasons they had to ditch the previous super sprint format which was two 200 kilometer two 200 kilometer races for the weekend you would have your you know pit stops for fuel and whatnot um but they ditched it in for a favor of you know three shorter sprint races which would have a one tire stop and that was it and the shorter races which were like you know 45 minutes to an hour in length would appeal more to casual fans with shorter attention spans and whatnot so while that has been exciting and i do like that format at some events i would like to see you know longer races at more events too so the fact that we're now sort of heading back to normality and whatnot we're going to have we have a full calendar this year for supercars we're not having any of these double header nonsense at four consecutive races at smp with the same format which just you know except for one sorry they did do like a, a long distance format there for one of those four events last year but you know even there they could have mixed it up a little bit just to to keep it a bit entertaining and different and whatnot so during the week i actually uh whipped up a kind of draft dream calendar for for supercars how i would like to see it because you know 2020 originally the calendar was supposed to have um you know the 200 kilometer races that sort of super sprint format before uh it all went pear-shaped with the pandemic so whilst I like that, I also like the um, the three race format. So in my calendar, which has 15 events for the season, I made it a mix. So you'd have your three race super sprints, but then you would also have an event or two with um, the 200 kilometer racing as well, which is my version of a long distance event. Like, cause I like chewing on the fat of strategy yeah, that's that's been something that I've been saying all week. I came up with that uh, for my talking points article. But you know who who doesn't like a proper hardcore motorsport fan loves being able to do some calculations and figure out strategy and whatnot. It does keep it mixed, and I think that's what I really enjoyed about this weekend is that we saw differing strategies, even though it didn't really benefit 
um, Tim Slade and David Reynolds, for example, in that first race, starting on the off uh, super soft tire, they were leading early because everyone else is on the hard tire, and then the offset there was quite um, visible. They didn't really get any good results as a result of it, but they definitely mixed it up and gave everyone else um, something thus there something to think about. Um, so quickly, let's go over this uh, draft calendar that I came up with. Fifteen events, of course, kind of keeping it. You know, if I wanted to go full on dream calendar, I'd just say, yeah, we'll do this race here, this race there. That's it. Let's go to Spa. Not going to happen. In keeping with kind of the the route that they go in, in terms of the season, you know, starting off, we have like a an epic street race or whatever. Um, then in the middle of the season, that's where they do the trip to the north where with, with what's going on at the moment, they go up to Darwin, Townsville and whatnot. And then, of course, I'm bringing back the Enduro Cup because I love the Enduro Cup, you know, and why more people don't like the Enduro Cup, I don't understand, I love endurance racing, you know, that's why people love WEC, they love GT racing, anything by SRO, co-drivers, pit stops, it's great, (laughs) so starting off, you know, Newcastle, Newcastle has meant to be the season opener for a couple of years now, but of course, uh, pandemic kind of laid ways to that, so I look forward to that coming back next year, and they have the 2 by 250 k um, format across the weekend Melbourne 400 stays the same with the four sprint races Tassie next up they can have the three super sprint races for the weekend Perth night format as it is keep it Winton now Winton is kind of the one where I was like oh do we do like the old style super sprint format with the 200k races or do the new one, and I was like, oh, I'll go with the new one for now, because it is quite interesting how people choose their tyres for the weekend, and use their tyres across the weekend, Darwin Triple Crown, another one I was like, oh, it'd be nice to go back to the old um, Triple Crown format, where you'd have to, you know, win the shootout, win the race, or win both races, or whatever, to be Triple Crown, rather than just the round winner but that doesn't change anyway where it is on the calendar Townsville same format then I've got Ipswich you know bring back Queensland Raceway like it was a toss-up between that and Phillip Island but Phillip Island uh, if Sandown drops off I'd put Phillip Island down as my Phillip Island 500 uh, pre-Bathurst Enduro go over to the Bend now the Bend is where I do like a long distance race I don't like the short distance races I think, you know, a circuit like the Bend does lend itself to, you know, pit stops and longer distance racing a lot better. Could even have that as the the pre-Bathurst Enduro because it was meant to be a couple of years ago anyway. um, Then before the Enduro Cup, Sydney do the night race there in in August. Um, Good time for it there as it will be um, or as it should have been this year anyway. Then September, you're endurance season begins, Sandown 500, retro round, bring it on, October Bathurst um, as it is, and then a couple of weeks later, the Gold Coast 600 to round it out, go over to New Zealand to Pukekohe for uh, the Auckland Super Sprint and do the short distance races there because it always lends itself to that, and then finish your season off at the end of November, start of December with the Adelaide 500. So there's my 15 race um, dream calendar, which, you know, is pretty doable in my eyes, but, you know, there's always... Uh, reasons why they can't do that (laughs) and I'm sure they'll probably say oh you know um, it doesn't work and whatnot so yeah (laughs) anyway let's talk about the racing itself over the weekend so Shane Van Gisbergen did sweep uh, the 500 so first race there on Saturday he overhauled Will Davison who did get the better start and led the early part of the race Um, Van Gisbergen opted to take on more fuel in his first pit stop and was able to, you know, did drop behind quite a lot of people, but then came back as the race progressed. Um, As I said, there was a super soft tyre offset for Slade and David Reynolds at the start of the race. They were able to lead, but then because they went onto the hard tyres for their last stint, they quickly fell away because everyone else was on the super soft tyre. So that's what I mean these different strategies do make it quite interesting because you don't know 
how the field is going to shake out. It's not as simple as, you know, okay, so he pits there and then he's going to come out here and, you know, that's going to be the order. You're kind of left scratching your head until the final stops and see how the order shapes out. Um, Gizzy pits with 25 laps to go and has a 17-second deficit to Davison, who's in the lead, was able to come back and take the win off him uh, that way, Cam Waters sealing the podium ahead of M- uh, Andre Heimgartner, so great pace from the Brad Jones racing team. But unfortunately, the Tickford Mustang just that quicker in the final stint to take the podium off him, but still a good race result for, for Heimgartner and whatnot. And Cam Waters was able to get the pole in the top 10 shootout for race 20 as well, but was only able to get it on the podium again in third as it was a battle between Van Gisbergen and Anton Di Pasquale and <laughs> the um, controversial final lap cla- clash between those two. So we saw Anton coming back at uh, Van Gisbergen at the end of the race. He had the pace in this occasion um, and then had the opportunity to make a lunge at the final corner, though it kind of went pear-shaped and Di Pasquale tagged Van Gisberg and the Red Bull spun and um, Anton in his goodwill tried to redress uh, coming up to the finish line he slowed right down only for (laughs) Shane cheeky Shane to just park up behind the um, Shell V Power Mustang because he's like yeah rather than you know just take the position back like this I'm going to humiliate you make you cross the line first cop a five second penalty or whatever and then I'm going to win the race so that was kind of a bit cheeky from Shane I think but at the same time it's just like this is how you know much better (laughs) how much better I am than you this season how much better I am compared to the rest of the competition this season is this is how I'm going to embarrass you and humiliate you so a bit a bit sad in that instance but he did have the last lap he got the 300 points as well got to extend his lead in the championship um after Darwin where he, they did kind of take a little bit out of his lead but yeah it's still 274 points, which is quite a lot, and um, Shane keeps talking as if, you know, um, he's got to make it to Bathurst and and survive that weekend, because if something goes wrong, he could lose 300 points, but given the form he's in, you know, he could um, make it to Bathurst, have a bad Bathurst, for example, and still win the championship, you know, he's just got that form everywhere he goes, it doesn't matter, so um, unfortunate there for Di Pasquale, but he still finished third, sorry, second ahead of Waters, Um, but, you know, he could have almost lost second to Waters if uh, he had slowed down a bit too much, because that five-second penalty would have put him behind, but unfortunately, or fortunately, I keep getting those two words confused today, I don't know why, anyway, fortunately, he didn't lose that extra position, so good on him for that, but uh, yeah, the, the the story is still the same, who's going to stop Van Gisbergen, or how are you going to stop Van Gisbergen, the answer is, nobody knows, even trying to, even trying to do it that way is not going to work. Elsewhere, I brought up the pain for Scott Pye again, becoming a bit of a theme in 2022. There's been too many incidents that have involved him, whether it's his fault or not. Um, I just think it's rather sad because I am a bit of a fan of Scott Pye and, you know, feel it's rather unfortunate that, you know, throughout his whole career that he's just been involved in so many incidents and often often they're quite, you know, spectacular and and ridiculous when you think back to like early parts of his career and he has had those massive shunts but you know he's had the most dnfs of any driver this season this time he took too much curb at turn three in race 20 uh ran davison wide and almost into the wall only for only for him to get t-boned and the damage again you know adding to the bill uh, the damage bill or whatever that uh, his team owner Charlie Schwerkholz had to face this season, and it's been a rather tough season for them. You know, they're a team that 
a year ago or whatever I was saying you know they're, they're on the verge of breaking into regular podiums and being in a position where where Grove Racing is right now but they kind of have, they have regressed a little bit you know the 2015 Supercars champion Mark Winterbottom uh, finishing in 25th in, in the Saturday race but did bounce back for a top 10 finish in, in race 20 on Sunday um, but yeah for Pi he had the incident with Courtney James Courtney in Darwin where he was innocent but you know that took him out for the rest of the weekend um, and then of course what happened in Perth as well uh, on the start finish straight took him out for the rest of the weekend as well so he's missing a lot of points and a lot of um, results that you know are quite crucial for the team in the team's championship so very difficult uh, you know for them as a team and um, for Pi as well as a driver I'm sure will be struggling to come to terms with the uh, with what's going on so hopefully he can bounce back and you know for the next race as well at the bend home race I think you know for for Pi South Australian yeah I think I don't know correct me if I'm wrong but um yeah hopefully a good result for them next time out and they can keep the car uh out of the walls and um undamaged as well uh and yeah that pretty much wraps it up you know good to see James Golding back as well having replaced Gary Jacobson there at the Premier Racing in the Subway Commodore had a bit of um, an incident with James Courtney on the start line. That wasn't that great, but um, yeah, you know, it'd be good to see uh, him in f- the coming races, how he goes in his second opportunity in supercars full-time. So yeah, that pretty much wraps it up then. Thank you again for tuning it in. Probably not my finest work, if we're being honest. You know, the, the whole congestion nasally thing does you know make me a bit hazy and whatnot so you know yeah hopefully it'll be fine for next time uh having a break next week and then of course we'll be back for the next f1 double header with france and hungary ahead of the mid-season break until then everybody take care keep an eye out on socials you know go through the link tree as always and uh yeah i'll see you guys next time